right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Development Debate podcast number three. We are going to talk about the role of revolving loans in uh, COVID-19 business survival. Of course, this is a, a key economic development uh, topic. Nate, pretty exciting. We made it to podcast number three. It's so exciting. We even, we even brought our, uh, one of our greatest assets of all time, Jamie Byer Grant. No doubt. Onto the wow. show. I know. Yeah, it's that's a lot. pretty impressive, Jamie. That's, I mean, that's, a, that's mm-hmm. something. Really, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of a lot of a lot of pressure. Jamie, why don't <laughs> why don't you inter, introduce yourself to our vast listening audience? Well, thank you, Dave and Nate. I'm excited to be here on Lucky Number Three. Um, Jamie Byer Grant. I am actually Montrose's manager of economic and workforce development, and I have been in the economic and workforce development realm for about 20 years now. I have worked at the state level with the state of Ohio doing international trade. I worked in Northwest Ohio for the regional economic development group up there, the RGP, and then was fortunate enough to serve for about 16 years in Ottawa County running the economic and workforce development office there. I bring kind of that state, regional, and local perspective, economic development perspective, and then uh, the workforce development realm as well. So um, kind of try and look at things from a holistic approach to doing business development. Outstanding. This revolving loan topic is, is I think, a really important one. We're going to try and kind of dig into uh, a couple key questions here, four questions. Looking at why should companies look to revolving loan funds as a source of capital? Who operates these revolving loan funds? How are they structured? And then finally, what are some good examples or what are what are some models that are out there? And the reality is, you know, COVID-19 has forced millions of, of American companies to, to seek uh, non-traditional sources uh, of short-term financing. And it's clear that the, the federal stimulus with its uh, uh, substantial funding into the, into the SBA has helped, has made a difference. I think the economic numbers, GDP and a number, uh, series of numbers that we've looked at are awful. Um, there are some uh, bright spots and some of the bright spots clearly are that we, we have not lost our, uh, our base of, of small companies. We've certainly lost some, but not nearly the, the sum that we would have. But, you know, the reality is, is, is we watch kind of Washington fumble, uh, you know, through trying to manage this crisis. I just think it would be a mistake for companies to solely rely on and purely the, the, that one pot of funding for, for kind of long-term structural funding. You know, Nate, I don't, I don't know if you have a perspective on this, but I, I think that RLS clearly have a, a big role for companies to consider when, when looking, trying to survive COVID-19. Absolutely true. And um, for, you know, for a, a number of reasons, but a lot of times these revolving loan funds, you know, they, they serve the purpose of filling a gap uh, for communities, filling a gap for financial reasons for companies. We're, not just because of COVID, uh, but certainly we have un- unprecedented times with interest rates right now. I mean, uh, the Fed funds rate is still at 0%. Um, the 10 Treasury, just over 1%. Um, you know, we have uh, just crazy um, low interest rates, but for small businesses, that doesn't mean that they can access those low interest rates like more steadied, more stayed, uh, more senior businesses can. And so what these uh, RLFs tend to do is they provide uh, that gap financing, that financing 
uh, where uh, these companies would would not otherwise be able to get financing or or maybe not get the full uh, flow of financing. They they provide uh, financing for these companies that's that's uh, often harder to come by uh, from traditional bank sources and other sources. Um, and that's not to say that these RLFs take unneeded risk or undue risk. As a matter of fact, and Jamie will talk about this, a lot of the RLFs, the the people that are on the RLF board are bankers, but uh, what it does right. is it, yeah, and what it does though is it provides just another other form of capital um, where businesses can can maybe make a project happen that wouldn't otherwise happen uh, because you know a bank will only do forty fifty percent of the project and the 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 small business needs to come up with the other fifty percent. Well, maybe the RLF can come in for you know twenty five or thirty percent of the project and, and that helps close that gap. Jamie, why don't you uh, talk to us about, you know, the structure of uh, the revolving loan funds, how communities do them and, and put them together and really what they look like to make it uh, a success. Yeah, thanks, Nate. There's a lot of different ways to, to look at funding or seeding um, an RLF in a community. Um, but really, I think what you want to take a look at is the program should really be structured to reflect the community's economic base and also the business needs uh, of the community. You know, do you have uh, strong or growing downtowns where um, some of those small businesses that are down there maybe need that extra level of funding to be able to get over the hurdle to take their business to the next step? Are you trying to promote entrepreneurship in your community? And typically entrepreneurs um, at the early stage of, of their project, they're riskier uh, types of projects to look at, at funding. So do you look at doing some credit building lending to help those entrepreneurs kind of get over that hump and, and move them into the position to be able to access conventional financing? So I think you really need to look at Again, what is your economic base? What are your business's needs? And even what are some of the strategies um, within your community or your economic development organization where a revolving loan fund can help to advance those strategies and see um, small and mid-sized businesses uh, really be able to take advantage of those funds um, and move their products forward and, and obviously enhance economic um, growth within the community. So, um, you know, gap financing is probably the most typical form or structure to a revolving loan fund program. Uh, gap financing usually will button up any final gap that exists in the financial structure. Um, you know, gap financing can not only be used um, to kind of close that gap between what the conventional lender is willing to lend and the equity injection that the company has, but it could also be looked at as um, kind of an equity contribution uh, to where, you know, maybe the bank is saying, hey, I'll come in at 70%. Uh, you need to figure out where the other 30% is going to come from but I need to know that 20% is in equity. You know, um, a, a revolving loan fund can come in and can actually help do that uh, down payment assistance for a project. So the great thing about structuring a ro local revolving loan fund is that you as a community have the flexibility to create those parameters or those guardrails around the program based on what your business's needs are. And then also there's, there's loan guarantees. Um, and the USDA is probably one of the most um, familiar programs if you're looking at a loan guarantee program where the USDA will actually uh, back the conventional lender financing uh, and guarantee their loan to really uh, reduce the risk of the of the lender in the project. Um, so 
you know, thinking through what the critical financial needs of the applicant businesses will be um, helps you to tailor your program to meet local needs. Uh, you know, kind of talking about the COVID environment now, uh, working capital um, and, and ensuring adequate liquidity really is the crux of a lot of small businesses. I wouldn't say that um, liquidity has just now become a, a concern or a need in COVID. I think liquidity within small businesses and, and that working capital loan has always been, uh, through my experience, the number one need of a small business. Um, but I think COVID has certainly exacerbated that, um, you know, that need right now. Nate, you kind of talked a little bit about how to set up a successful revolving loan pump fund program in the community and um, you know developing the guidelines that really meet what your community's needs are um, I think is one of the first things that a, a revolving loan fund program should take a look at and then the other thing uh, that is great about setting up a local program to where you can really leverage the funds into the community to meet those businesses needs is to get folks involved in the uh, revolving loan fund, whether it's the board or even the administration of the program, who have their eyes and ears to the ground on what's going on within the business community. And those could be um, uh, loan officers, they could be, um, you know, even the auditor or the treasurer from a county or a city is a great one to take a look at getting involved. Um, maybe your regional planning commission director, uh, because they're seeing development and zoning and things of that nature that are going on in the community. Uh, you know, maybe a downtown redevelopment um, lead or a Main Street um, lead, Chamber of Commerce, they all have um, their eyes and ears to the ground in a little bit of a different way um, to be able to really kind of give a balanced perspective as to what's needed in the community, how to structure a program. And then um, if you're looking to either seed a, a program or um, refund a program, you can look then to where the sources are that would best fit those needs, whether it's the EDA or CDBG or looking to your local community um, to work with maybe banks or foundations to kind of try and put together and seed a program. Revolving loan funds are one tool in the toolbox, but the great thing about the tool of a revolving loan fund program is that it can take many different shapes and sizes and, and really be able to support businesses, um, you know, whether they're at the beginning stages uh, of their life cycle or are more mature and are looking to, to expand and make new investments. Yeah, and I, and I, I think as Nate mentioned, um, I think the topic is more prevalent, not just because there's a lot of companies out there uh, struggling and, uh, and I mean, I trying to not be negative, but I don't think the struggle's over. Uh, you need to be prepared to gain as much, as much money as you possibly can. We, we saw through the last big recession, um, financial services kind of led recession in 2009 companies that didn't get as much cash as they could to keep in the bank to prepare for the, for the bad times for a lot of trouble. And it's, really a great opportunity because you have a lot of these revolving loan funds, whether it's emanating from uh, state resources or, uh, you know, CDBG got uh, $5 billion uh, in, in the stimulus package. Economic Development Administration got $1.5 billion. Uh, USDA got, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. So they're, they're alone just with those, um, 
you know, just with those three federal government agency sources of, of funding, you know, you, you've got six, six and a half, seven billion dollars in, um, in funding that, that is, that has to be spent towards COVID related activities. Jamie, are there, are there any examples of revolving loan funds that kind of come to mind that you think uh, you know, or kind of offer an interesting model to kind of better understand how these programs work? Yeah, there there are a number of different models that exist out there, um, you know, and any of them from utilizing federal dollars um, to seed programs all the way down to uh, creating, you know, a local uh, revolving loan fund program um, out of local resources. But you know, Dave, to your point about all the money that has come through the CARES Act um, to these, the EDA, to CDBG, the USDA, I've been following a little bit with USDA. They actually have a public comment period going on right now to try and streamline their application process. So you know that the deployment of those funds um, is has been made a priority uh, within those organizations. And now they're trying to figure out how to streamline it and get that money into the local communities so that they can meet these needs of local businesses. So, um, you know, the opportunity now is ripe um, to work with these federal um, agencies to be able to access these dollars and bring them down, you know, draw them down into the community. You know, Athens County down in Southern Ohio, um, they have several revolving loan funds that are funded from a number of different federal government sources. Um, but one that um, they've been very successful in working with is the Community Development Block Grant Program. And the way the Community Development Block Grant Program uh, works when setting up a revolving loan fund for non-entitlement cities um, or counties like Athens County is the federal government allocates money to the states and then um, puts the states in charge of deploying that money into the communities. And um, one of the ways that the state of Ohio does that is through um, a revolving loan fund program through the CDBG, um, following CDBG guidelines and criteria. And what Athens County has been able to do is to look at economic development projects within their community where gap financing does exist, uh, where there's um, definite job creation, and that job creation is going to benefit um, individuals from low to moderate income households, which is one of CDBG's uh, criteria in order to qualify for their funds. Um, so going after uh, CDBG revolving loan fund dollars, uh, making application to the state to help with that gap financing, um, Athens County has been able to see projects actually come to fruition. Um, by using CDBG as gap financing. And then the great thing about um, a CDBG revolving loan fund award from the state level um, is that the state makes that loan award to Athens County. Athens County then loans that money out to the business. And then when the business pays that money back, that money comes back to Athens County in a local community development block grant revolving loan fund program. Um, I could say it comes back into a CDBG RLF account, you know, in economic development, we like to use acronyms. So um, it comes back into that CDBG RLF account. CDBG can fund a maximum of 50% of the total project cost, not to exceed $500,000 in the state of Ohio. Um, and really, 
you know, the government wants to look at it as they want to be a partner in the program, they want to share in the risk, but they don't want to take the place of a private lender. Um, so the partnership of um, being able to do up to 50% of the funding of the total project cost then requires a local lender as well as um, at least 10% equity to come into the program. Um, through the CARES Act, um, there's been some flexibility that's been created into uh, both the state CDBG revolving loan fund program as well as county revolving loan fund programs that have CDBG dollars um, already operational. And that's great because it goes back to talking about liquidity um, as, as such a need uh, to get us through some of these difficult times. The communities with RLF programs can actually take a look at considering modifying existing loans that are um, currently in existence. The rates can be um, modified. They can be reduced all the way down to 0% for a certain term. Um, if that's what the company needs, um, they can look at deferring principal and interest for um, anywhere between six to 12 months, uh, which is typically things that are not um, allowed in, in a traditional CDBG program. Um, they can also look at um, approving new loans at 0% interest with that same six to 12 months deferred principal and interest. Um, so there's that opportunity to kind of create some um, upfront incentive to utilize the funds and then get the project going and up and running without having to start incurring those repayment models. Uh, so there's a lot of flexibility that the CARES Act has put into, um, put into place um, you know, to try to help some of those programs. Startups are eligible for up to $100,000 in a loan. Existing businesses are eligible for up to $350,000. So you can see how there's um, some shared risk in helping a startup, but they may not necessarily be able to qualify for a higher level of funding. So they do weigh and balance um, how the city is investing their money to kind of um, uh, create a balance in, in their risk portfolio. And they'll look at loans that are anywhere from six months to seven years. So, um, you know, really the goal is to support um, priority areas in the city um, where they want to, maybe there's been disinvestment in the past where they want to try and encourage investment and um, maybe neighborhood revitalization or commercial corridor revitalization, engagement of low to moderate income individuals, um, trying to support veteran owned businesses as well as disabled um, ownership. So again, they're really trying to look at targeting um, a number of different priorities within their community to leverage the funds and see business, um, business investments being made. In the state of Delaware, um, they have an access capital fund um, that was formed out of community's stakeholder vision to support the Delaware, the state of Delaware, but also even reaching into Southern Pennsylvania region where there's a, a labor shed and similarities. Um, again, they have a micro loan program um, and it goes from anywhere from a startup company to an expansion project. And again, looking at that balance of portfolio risk, um, they're looking at loaning anywhere from $5,000 to $50,000. And that money can be used for working capital, 
inventory. Inventory um, is usually something, especially in the retail sector, um, that is really hard for a business to be able to utilize their available um, cash flow to be able to build that inventory. Uh, and then machinery and equipment, which is kind of a traditional um, economic development capital investment use of, of loan funds. But, um, you know, for-profit businesses, nonprofit, uh, community-based projects like a child care center or a community center um, are eligible for that. Uh, and they, they actually, for a community development loan, have identified community development as a priority and have um, expanded the maximum loan amount there um, up to $150,000. So you can see again where um, um, these, these community initiatives, it, um, they've been able to tailor it to local, um, local efforts. And then one other one that I, I thought was really cool was in the state of Minnesota. Um, they have revolving loan fund programs set up not only to help businesses with traditional fixed asset investments, um, but they're also looking at investing their money in anything from helping with infrastructure extension, like putting a rail spur in, to helping with downtown commercial rehabilitation. Um, they're investing their money in business incubators to really be able to not only maybe rehabilitate um, a building in a downtown commercial corridor, but create that incubator space um, for businesses to be able to get those entrepreneurial businesses or even, um, you know, maybe like a gazelle business that needs to go into some incubator space, have some shared services. And the Minnesota's Revolving Loan Fund Program also can invest in job training. So skills building of either underskilled or unskilled persons, persons from low income um, households, and then also retraining of existing employees within businesses. So that use of revolving loan fund dollars to really be able to invest in job training um, is something that is a little bit different. Um, you don't see that in every program. So, um, you know, we know that it's not just a result of COVID, but it's something that communities and businesses have really been struggling with for a long time. Uh, you know, I would say over the last five years, really, um, is where is my existing workforce coming from? Where is my future workforce coming from? Um, and how am I going to build that talent and even give my existing employees the training that they need to upskill in order to be, um, maybe be able to deal with new technologies that are creating efficiencies um, within their companies? Jamie kind of stole the show, didn't she, Nate? I mean, I, you know. Pretty much, Dave. I mean, we, I, we you know, we got nothing. I mean, I... I <laughs> She knows too much about this stuff. First of all, it's clear that these RLS are available all over the place, urban, rural. Um, they, they are very prevalent. And I think they're going to be, you know, a more and more and more important source of capital for, for companies as we all try and survive COVID as it moves from 2020 to, I'm afraid, it's good, you know, moving into 2021. So I think that's a great session. I hope everyone uh, ha has a great week. All Thank right. you. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, guys. Bye -bye. Thanks for letting me join in. Thank you for tuning in to the Development Debate Podcast. To learn more about the Montrose Group services, please visit MontroseGroupLLC.com.